word and open it to the book of John. The gospel of John chapter 11 verse 25 will be our verse for today. And I hope as you turn to your, to your Bibles and to that passage that you come ready to hear the word of God. God has a message for you today. I've entitled this message, The Resurrection of the Dead. Quite appropriate, wouldn't you say, for Resurrection Sunday? I don't know about you, but this is my favorite time of the year. I love springtime. Just a few weeks ago, everything was so brown and drab. The trees, most of them had no leaves. The grass was brown and the skies were gray. Now, uh, look at the grass, it's green. And the trees are filled with green leaves. There are flowers everywhere. The splendor is absolutely amazing, and if we did not know better, we would think that death does not even exist, but the truth is it does. Statistics tell us that throughout the world, 107 people die every minute, 6,390 people die per hour. Every day, 153,000 people die. And every year, 56 million die. Yes, death is a reality. No matter how much we try to avoid it, it is coming. And it is coming to all of us. But here's the good news. We don't have to fear death. Uh, I said, here's the good news. We don't have to fear death. And here's why. Our resurrected Lord has broken the power of death. Jesus demonstrated his victory over the grave on numerous occasions. One example of his triumph over death is found in the New Testament book of John. And I ask you to turn there just a moment ago. And here in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46, we find a passage where Jesus chose the sleepy little town of Bethany to demonstrate his power over death. He wanted to tell the world that death has no power when people look to Christ. And he chose Bethany because I believe it was the home of three of his closest friends, uh, Bethany located around two miles to the east of Jerusalem, was the home of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. One day, Lazarus was very sick. It was with great concern that the sisters of Lazarus sent for Jesus, who was away in another town. He was ministering there. And Jesus received word that Lazarus was very sick and, and it looked like he was going to die. The reason they sent for Jesus is because Mary and Martha believed that Jesus could heal Lazarus. I mean, he's demonstrated many times. And so they wanted him to come and heal their brother. But Jesus, although he received the word, did not return quickly. As a matter of fact, he delayed his coming. By four days, when Jesus finally did arrive, 
Lazarus had been dead for four days, and the Bible says that his body had begun to decay and stink. So death had really been evidenced in his life. Of course, Mary and Martha were both heartbroken, and they told Jesus, Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But what Jesus had done was he, he allowed this death to occur so that he could proclaim his power over death in raising Lazarus from the dead. God wants you to experience that same resurrection power in your life. You're here this morning. Maybe life's not doing too well for you. You're struggling. You have all kinds of problems and emotional upset and disappointments. And sometimes you wonder, is life really worth living? Friend, I'm here to tell you this morning, absolutely it is. Life is worth living because Jesus Christ has provided life for you. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't have life. And you don't understand life. And if you do have Christ and you're not walking with him, although you have been given life, you're not living the life God intended for you to live. Here's the good news this morning. There's a lot of good news this morning. Here's another a bit of good news, and that is you can change direction. Uh, you can experience life to the max, life to the full. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. And that's not just out in eternity somewhere. That is here today, right now. That's what God has in store for you, a life of abundance. So what I want us to do for the next few minutes is to talk to you about resurrection so you can receive the life that God has intended for you to experience. With that in mind, I want us to begin to look at this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read this text for you. Uh, I won't read the whole passage because it's so lengthy and we're, uh, we're certainly restricted on time. But I do want to read you the, the section of Scripture I want to focus on today. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, he's speaking to Martha... I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Let's first of all look at the purpose for resurrection. We see in verse 25 again, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice in this passage that the purpose for resurrection is for spiritual life. God has come that we might have spiritual life. When you look at this verse 25, you see it stands out, at least to me, and I'm sure it does to many of you as well. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That takes my mind back to the book of Exodus. And it's in Exodus that God appeared to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he told him to go Stand before Pharaoh and declare to him, you are to let my people go. He told him, you are to go back to your people, the Hebrew people, and let them know I've heard their prayer and I have come to deliver them. Well, Moses said, well, Lord, who am I to tell them has sent me? And speaking from the burning bush, God said, I am that I am. 
has sent you. That I am statement was used by Jesus on a number of occasions through his ministry. This is one of those occasions where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The reason he needed to say that is because Jesus Christ is demonstrating his power over physical death, but not just physical death, spiritual death. You see, the Bible says we all are dead to God. We're dead to the things of God. Now, we can put on our, our beautiful Easter clothes. My wife, she, uh, she bought me a new, a new tie and a little handkerchief I can use. I can't use it. It just looks pretty. But she put that in my pocket this morning trying to make me look good. And friends, listen, that's hard to do. I'm telling you, I know it's hard to do. But she does the best she can. You see, we can dress up and look good. And, and we can do the best we can, but the reality is apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, death is inside of us. Spiritual death. The stench of death is all about us. The Apostle Paul spoke of this type of death in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. You may want to turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2. This actually is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. With great clarity, we are confronted with our own spiritual death and how that that death has a remedy through Christ. And here, as the apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter two, verse one declares this, and you were what? Dead. Say that together. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then in verses two and three, he talks about the, uh, the evidence of death. How do we know that we're dead? What, what are some of the things that are true about us when we're spiritually dead? Three things, he says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. That is, you lived according to the standards of this world. You were a part of this world system that is against God. Whatever the world did is what you did. You walked in harmony with, in concert with, in pace with, in step with the world system. He says, also, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. He says, not only were you, was your life characterized by worldliness, but also you were under the control of Satan, the demonic forces of this world. And then he goes on and talks about another evidence of spiritual death. He says in verse 3, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. That is, we just lived according to the base desires within us. We're spiritually dead. But look at verse 4. Here's the good news. But God being rich in his mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us what? Alive. He made us alive when we were spiritually dead. He made us alive together with Christ by grace have you been saved. That's how we get life. It's through God's grace. He says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. That is, when we are saved, God sees us as being with him. It's already a spiritual reality. He's raised us up. Look at verse 7. 
so that in the ages to come he might show a surpassing riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk therein. What am I saying to you this morning? I'm saying to you that the purpose of the resurrection is to bring us spiritual life. You say, well, pastor, say that again. How do I get spiritual life? Just as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, it comes when we have faith in Christ Jesus. When we express faith in Christ, he gives us grace. Grace. We can't be saved apart from grace. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to try harder. You can try harder, but you can't be good enough. You say, well, wait a minute. You tell me if I, if I start coming here at First Baptist Church and if I get baptized and I turn over a new leaf and I start doing better, that that won't save me, it won't save you. You can't be good enough to be saved. Paul said it this way, if, if salvation comes by works, then Christ died in vain. The reason Jesus came and died is because we can't be good enough. The reason we can't be good enough is because we're spiritually dead. We're dead to the things of God. I can talk to this pulpit. Hey, pulpit, how are you today? No response. You know why? Because that pulpit is dead. It can't respond. And folks, we can't respond to God. In our state of spiritual deadness. There has to be a resurrection. So the purpose for the resurrection. Is to bring about spiritual life. But not just spiritual life. Also physical life. I want you to know that. Jesus has come to bring us. Not just spiritual life. But to raise us from the dead. Physically. That's what he was going to demonstrate here with Lazarus. When he called him out of the tomb, as he stood at the mouth of that tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of that tomb. He had been dead, folks, for four days, and his body was stinking. And he came out of the grave alive and well. And Jesus said, go and loose him and let him go. He was wrapped in grave clothes from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He was physically dead. But he was brought to life. And I'm here to tell you because Jesus Christ came out of the grave. So too you and I will come out of the grave one day. We're not going to take these bodies to heaven. I'm thankful for that. I'm telling you. Because mine's not as good as it used to be. And I don't look spiritual. Yours is not as good either. As you get older you begin to to feel pain where you didn't know you had places to feel pain. And you're not as fast as you used to be. You're not as sharp as you used to be. Now, some of you kids, you're laughing, but I'm telling you, that's coming your way. That's coming your way quicker than you think. The truth is, these old bodies wear out, and ultimately, they die. They die, and we place them in the ground. But Jesus has said that there is coming a resurrection day. When he comes again in his second advent... The second coming of Christ. The Bible says that Christ is going to raise the dead. You say, I can't believe that. Uh, I mean, that's just too hard to believe, Pastor. You can't convince me of that. I cannot believe that 
that God can raise somebody from the dead. Folks, listen. Think with me for just a moment. If God can create the heavens and the earth, and if he can give you the body you presently have, do you think it's too hard for him to give you another body likened to the resurrected body of Christ Jesus? No. Simple for him to do that. Absolutely he's going to do it. It will be a new body for those who are, who are believers. Now, if you're not a believer, you're, you're going to experience a resurrection too at a different time. But you will be raised to be judged. Your body will be raised and the spirit that is in Hades will be united with this new resurrected body. And you will stand before holy God at the white throne judgment. And you will be condemned because of your rejection of Christ. And you will be sent to a place called hell. But for those who know the Lord Jesus, we will be raised to life. The spirit of those who die go to be with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when the body is raised, the spirit and the body will be united and we will forever be with Christ Jesus. It's going to be a glorious day. I'm looking forward to that day. That's the purpose of the resurrection, to bring spiritual life and to bring physical life. A man and a small son were driving by a cemetery one day. The little boy was about four or five years old. And it was uh, the little boy that looked out the window and he saw a freshly dug grave. And the dirt had been piled up beside the grave. Brother Doug, you'll appreciate this one. The dirt was piled up beside the grave. And the little boy saw that and he said, look, daddy, one got away. Friend, I'm glad that almost 2,000 years ago, one got away and his name was Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Christ, we have, look, we have hope. It's a certain expectation that with his resurrection, we have been brought to life spiritually and we shall be brought to life physically through the resurrection, the physical resurrection, just as Jesus was Resurrected. So that's the purpose of the resurrection. Then we see the person of the resurrection. Verse 25 again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Here Jesus is speaking about his authority to raise the dead. I am the resurrection. Friend, let me tell you, that is a statement, is it not? What an audacious statement that is to stand before a crowd of people and to say with a dead man there in the tomb that you're about to, to, be, to raise him from the dead. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the crowd's watching this. He is making a statement of authority. He's saying, I have authority over death itself. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now Jesus is going to demonstrate that authority. So we see not only his authority to raise the dead, but his ability to raise the dead. As he says to Lazarus, come out of the grave, and he comes out of the grave. He demonstrates that he has the power over death itself. And that's good news. Remember me telling you earlier in this message how we're all going to die? 
You may not believe that, but I'm telling you, death is going to come knocking on your door one day. And as a matter of fact, it may come sooner than you think. But Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has power over death itself. Some time ago, I was passing an old cemetery when I spotted a headstone of a grave that had been pushed over. It was leaning over. And this headstone was, it was large. It was a real old one. And they used to really have, in some cases, large ones back then. Upon closer examination, I noticed what caused the problem. There was a root up under the headstone. And that root extended to a tree over close to the grave. That root, through time, had moved that huge headstone that weighed hundreds of pounds. And I got thinking about that. I got to think about the power that was necessary to move that heavy headstone. And it all started with a tiny seed. Think about the power in that little seed that enabled that headstone to be moved. Well, I'm here to tell you that the seed of the gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. He could not be contained in the grave. He came out of the grave because he has authority and because he has ability over death itself And our resurrection is tied up in His resurrection. And because of Him, we have the hope of glory. That's good news, folks. Now, this morning we've talked about the purpose of the resurrection, the person of the resurrection who is Jesus. But now I'm going to talk to you about the provision of resurrection. You say, well, Pastor, how can I experience this for myself? How can I... Experience the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says here, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Notice this now. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. There's the key. He who believes. Here's my question for you this morning. Do you believe in Christ? Now, I'm not talking about just mental assent. It's possible to believe the right things about Jesus, to be doctrinally sound about who Jesus is and still not know him. The Bible says in the book of James that even the demons believe and tremble, but they don't know him, not personally. They don't have a relationship with the Lord the way those of us do who know him. So it's more than mental assent, but of course, understanding the truth is important and necessary. But believe here is an action word. It demands commitment of one's life. Now, what do you need to do in order to demonstrate belief in Jesus Christ? What does it mean? Well, a number of things are encompassed in that thought. First of all, in order to know Christ, in order to experience his resurrection power, you must first of all admit you're a sinner. Now, now, may I ask you to, to give ter- careful attention to me as I say this, and here's why. It's because, folks, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. 
I started pastoring when I was four years old. Now, the reality is I'm a little older than that, but, but I've been pastoring over 30 years and I have, I've had people in my congregations that I have preached the gospel Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and in a personal encounter with them, asked them about their salvation and they did not understand how to be saved. And I think it's very likely some of you have heard the gospel and you still do not understand the simplicity of the gospel. What a shame it would be for you to die in that condition of lostness and not understand the simple message of the gospel. So I want to ask for your careful attention. First of all, in order to be saved, in order to experience the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to admit you're a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. You see, God is holy and just. He's above us. There is no impurity in him at all. He hates all sin, but he created us with the ability to make choices. We have a free will. He did not create robots. He created human beings. And he told us if we obey him, we would live. If we rebelled against him and disobeyed, we would die spiritually. And the truth is we've all disobeyed we've all fallen short of his glory we've all missed the mark of perfection therefore we are all sinners by nature sin has passed through the human race from adam and we're all in the same condition we're all sinners by nature and by choice we choose to sin don't we given enough time because of our sin nature we will choose to sin and god cannot have A relationship with us in that condition of spiritual deadness, sinfulness. But before you can do anything about it, you have to admit there's a problem. So you have to admit you're a sinner. But secondly, you have to believe Jesus is a Savior. Now you can say, well, Jesus is a good teacher. Yes, he is. He's a great moral leader. Yes, he is. He's a wonderful example. Yes, he is. But you have to believe he is the Christ who came and was sacrificed on the cross for your sins and my sins. Jesus died for us. The sins that you commit and have committed and will commit. The sins that I have committed and will commit. All those sins were placed on Jesus. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God the Father poured out his righteous anger on his son because of our sin. You see, God will never overlook sin. He will always deal with it. He won't overlook mine. That's why Jesus died. That's why he was writhing in pain on the cross. It was not just the cross. It was that he was experiencing the wrath of holy God against sin. And Jesus bore my sin. He bore your sin. You have to believe that. And you have to believe that he was raised from the dead. And that if you commit your life to Christ, he'll save you. So admit you're a sinner. Believe Jesus is the Savior. And three, commit your life to Jesus. 
Say, God, I'm a sinner and I give myself to you. I believe Christ is a Savior. Please invade my life. Take control of my life, my thoughts, my will, my emotion, my body. Everything I am, I give to you now. Friend, if you'll do that, the Bible promises you will pass from death unto life. You will be made alive internally, spiritually. You will be able to have a relationship with your Creator. And you will be given eternal life to live forever in His presence. That's how you can experience resurrection power in your life. Wouldn't you like to do that this morning? Experience resurrection power? You say, well, well, pastor, I know I need to, but you know I'm still young and I have a lot of life to live. No, you don't. You're dead. You don't have a life to live. You're dead spiritually. That's what Christ is doing. He's calling you to himself. You don't even understand what life is about. You're dead while you're alive. And he wants you to have life. He wants to bring life to your heart so you can understand who he is and his teaching. You know, as a pastor through the years, it's been amazing to me. Some of the most intelligent people I've ever met are ignorant of the Bible. Because they're spiritually dead. If you are a 12-year-old child here today, and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have more spiritual insight than a Ph.D. without Jesus. I'm just telling you. Those who are intellectual and well-trained, if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, this book is closed. to They don't understand the, the truths of Scripture. They don't understand some basic things, but they don't understand the deep truths of Scripture. And even something as simple as salvation, they, they fall and trip over it. But Jesus is saying, I will give you life. I will change your life. I will make this provision for you. I will bring you from spiritual death into life. When I was a boy... Uh, we were we lived in a in a pecan orchard. Do you say pecan or pecan? How many say pecan? How many say pecan? Amen. I'm in South Georgia. So we lived in a pecan orchard. On those pecan trees, there was this little plant growing, and this plant would look dead. It would be brown and withered up. One day I asked my, my dad, what kind of plan is that? He said, it's called resurrection plant. He said, you watch when it rains, it will come alive. And sure enough, a little rain shower could come through. And I'm telling you, in a matter of minutes, that plant is green and vibrant, very much alive, just like it experienced a resurrection. That resurrection plan is a lot like us. We are lifeless until Jesus Christ, the water of life, comes into our lives. If we will accept his provision of salvation, he will bring new life to our dead souls. And friend, that's what you need today. That's what I need. 
There's one final thing I want to talk to you about. That is, that is the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection. Look in verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He will live even if he dies. That's the promise of the resurrection. It's the promise of earthly life. First of all, did you know that eternal life begins the moment you receive Jesus? The moment you accept Christ, you begin to live. And Jesus comes and gives us that life here to live and to enjoy life on this earth. If you don't know Christ, I'm telling you, you don't know life. You may be able to have some pleasure, but it's short-lived. It's for a season. But when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, He gives you joy unspeakable. And no matter the circumstances of life, you have this resurrection power living within you. You are alive to the things of God. You were as God intended for you to be originally when you were born. He wanted you to experience the fullness of life and with Christ you can. Now that doesn't mean you don't have problems, but it does mean even in the midst of your problems you have Jesus Christ who's conquered death, hell, and the grave and you need nothing more. So he gives us earthly life, but he also gives us eternal life. Jesus said in his word, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. That is when you're brought alive in Christ you live forever and you never die. Oh the body will die but you'll get a new body. That's no problem for God. But you are alive forever and you're able to commune with your creator. Folks I'm telling you. It's so sad there are many people walking around spiritually dead when Jesus wants to give them life. And it's a promise and he always keeps his promises. Michelangelo, the great artist, was having a conversation with other artists when he passionately said these words, and I quote, Why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the one theme of Christ in weakness? Christ on the cross. And most of all, Christ hanging dead. Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work? As if the curtain dropped on him with disaster and defeat. That dreadful scene lasted a few hours. But to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. The stone has been rolled away and he rules and reigns and triumphs. Michelangelo was right. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we can believe the promise of the resurrection. Friend, if you die today, do you have hope in the resurrection? A loving daddy knelt by the bedside of his son. As he said his prayers before he went to sleep. And this was customary every night. The little boy would pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray dear Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. I pray dear Lord my soul to take. That was his little prayer. Well this time the little boy got the words mixed up. And instead of praying if. Instead of praying, if I should die before I wake, he prayed, if I should wake before I die. 
And realizing what he had said, the little boy became embarrassed and he stopped praying. The wise daddy told him that what he prayed was right. He said, son, my greatest desire is for you to wake up before you die. After the little boy drifted off to sleep, the daddy kept thinking about what had happened and what his son had said. And he said to himself, hmm, if I should wake before I die. If I should wake before I die, he said, that's it. That's it. That's the hope of the resurrection. God wants us to wake up before we die. And friend, listen, God has sent me here this morning to wake you up before you die. To wake you up to your need for Christ. And the offer that God provides for you of salvation. Through the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus. He's saying to you, wake up. Wake up. He doesn't want you to die without him. And friend, as long as you have a beating heart, you don't have to. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I know I need Christ. and I'm unsure about my salvation and I want to be saved. If that's the situation, would you pray this prayer with me? That's right. No one looking around. But if your desire is to be saved and you acknowledge you're a sinner and you believe Jesus is a Savior, why don't 